T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Football Friday starts with a public service announcement. It is too early to play Christmas music. It is too early to put up a Christmas tree or Christmas lights outside your home or establishment. We'll get into that later, but first, is Mason Rudolph a racist or is Miles Garrett a liar? Not a whole lot of gray area in between those as Miles Garrett appeal is denied. The indefinite suspension remains. Also, the latest on Antonio Brown as he headed back to the New England Patriots. And what does kick the tires mean? Home and Home is a radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. It is a Bloody Mary Friday. Let's get this one going early. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker on the road, though, today in New Orleans, ready for the UCF Tulane college football broadcast. We're going to start, get right into the NFL, though, on a football Friday. We will get into Texas and the Colts in just a bit. The first three hours of week 12, I think 17 NFL hours on television the next couple of days going to be outstanding. So block out your weekend. That's not including Saturday's college football stuff. Let's welcome in Christian Fourier from WEEI, former Patriots tight end. Christian, good to see you. Hear you, at least, my friend, Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Hey, man, so I log on to Yahoo's homepage this morning, and those three words, the three little words, kick the tires, were on the Yahoo homepage because you set the sports world on fire yesterday saying the Patriots had kicked the tires on Antonio Brown. Explain what you meant by that. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's um, I've I've never gotten uh, – we spent an hour and a half uh, uh, defining what kick the tires means on, on my show. And I never once said they were signing him. I never said they were interested in him. I never said that they – I mean, I, I mean – I was just lucky enough to bump into somebody and I asked a question about, you know, have they discussed him? Uh, and he said, yeah. Or I said, they kicked the tires. And I said, what does that mean? So, and that can mean whatever you want it to mean, you know, and they could mean, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean like Robert Kraft is sitting there, you know, Hey, let's do more research. I think when somebody tells me they kicked the tires, it means, you know, Hey, I'm curious about it. Uh, let me just look at it one more time. Uh, I mean, I'm sure people have uh, been talking about it, but was there any real interest in signing him? No. And I've been saying that for the longest time, like since the very beginning, you know, I don't think anything has changed. I think they made the right decision. I think uh, he's not worth the time and effort, but with all the injuries and all the, uh, you know, just all the news that was coming out, you know, um, I was curious to know, like, what was going on, you know, and that was the that was what I got. And that's what I shared with my audience. You know, it's interesting, Christian, because as soon as I saw the apology from A.B. on social media to Robert Kraft, and then I saw Brady and all the Patriots players liking it, 
And then when Belichick was asked about AB, and he said, look, you have to ask uh, Mr. Kraft about that one. I kind of, you know, in my mind, I felt like uh, a plan might be in place, or at least that something was in the works. I mean, he apologized to Kraft for a reason, right? He either did it because he wants to get back with the Patriots or because he thinks that's his best chance to get reinstated by the NFL. I guess not even reinstated. I mean, I guess anybody can sign him right now, but at least to get in the good graces of the NFL. Is that fair of me? I mean, I looked at those three things. I saw him kick the tires, and I thought, yeah, I, I can kind of see them maybe considering this again. Yeah, I mean, I think I think everything's fair. I think every assumption is fair uh, because everybody has, I guess, a scenario that they've played out in their head, and everyone's been trying to dissect it um, and try and make sense of it. I always go back to the original situation for the most clarity, regardless of what somebody tells me. The the clearest, uh, the most clarity I get is the fact that he made a really terrible uh, statement in, in some text messages that he didn't mean to be public, and it was released. Um, and it just showed, uh, in my opinion, a side of him that I wouldn't want anything to do with. I wouldn't want anything to do with him. And it was obvious that neither did the Patriots, so they cut him. You know, and then he then after that, he starts, you know, you know, uh, you know, making comments about the crafts and and everything else that was that went along with that. So I just don't think they would go back to that. I don't think it would be worth it to them. Do they have a lot of issues on offense? I mean, are they are they banged up at the receiver position? Yeah, but I can't even imagine the amount of backlash or criticism that would come with them re-signing A.B. So. You know, when I heard that, uh, you know, when I heard, oh, kick the tires, I was like, huh, all right. Okay, so I guess I guess at least they talked about it. You know, that didn't mean, hey, let's call Drew Rosenhaus. That didn't mean, hey, let's let's go, uh, you know, have him for a workout. You know, I had people texting me last night saying, oh, he's in, uh, he's in, he's staying at AB's, he's staying at Brady's house. And I was like, I, first of all, I know that's a lie, you know. So the misinformation uh, on this topic and the sensationalism of it is really at an all-time high, um, you know. So, but that's what that's what he comes with. That's the type of baggage that he comes with. So um, I don't know. On one hand, I was like, it was kind of comical how crazy people got over that over pretty vague, uh, you know, uh, you know, topic, you know, comment. But people are obsessed with this guy. Yeah, those three little words, man, lit it up. By the way, Urban Dictionary defines kicking the tires as checking the viability of an unknown system by a quick test. That's it. That's how Urban Dictionary defines it. Ross brings up a good point about why did Antonio Brown apologize. That was discussed on your station, WEEI, this morning. And here's what they determined why AB apologized to Bob Kraft. Was there some sort of arrangement between the two, listen up. Anytime. This happened after the meeting. Mm -hmm. So something had to be said to Drew Rosenhaus, to whoever, after the meeting, hey, Antonio, here's what we're hearing. If you can just go Mm -hmm. out there and apologize, we put it. And then the other thing I look at it is, 
Why isn't he apologizing to everybody? He specifically mm-hmm. apologizes to Robert Kraft. Right. So yeah, that tells me. Yeah, Mike Mayock hasn't gotten an apology. Right. Well, don't you think that's the guy you want to apologize to? One the guy. Call him a cracker. Yeah, you threaten to punch them. You know. Which I Anybody do. Anybody like, say my friend Antonio Brown? Right. Yeah, John could get an apology. Right, but he or did. Derek Carr. He didn't do that. He just. Mike Tomlin. Specifically. Roethlisberger. Robert Kraft. Yeah. So that tells me there was something there that was said to him or his camp that said, hey, there's a chance you can no. go back to New England. Here's what they're looking for. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> your reaction, <laughs> other than the laughter. I, mean, I don't know. What should it be? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I honestly have no clue why he apologized. None. My, your, your, your opinion, your idea, and your answer is just as viable as mine. I have no clue. I have not talked to anybody about it. I have not even I haven't researched it, um, and we everyone's just kind of trying to you know connect the dots the best they can. Um, so I have no idea. Maybe maybe in his delusional state, he thought that was something that would help him out. I have no clue. I think Antonio Brown is is completely just you know for the most part irrational, um, a little delusional, uh, you know, a tad bit narcissistic, but I mean. I don't think it's going to work out here in New England. I mean, that's I've been pretty much consistent with that. But uh, the other stuff, you know, it's it just uh, it just continues. I don't even know what to say. I, I, I chuckle at it because every radio station I listen to, they all have their own opinion of why, you know. And Antonio Brown won't say anything. So how the hell are we supposed to know? Christian, will you resign if your report that the Patriots are signing Antonio Brown does not happen? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, will I resign if they don't? (laughs) Oh, my God. I tell you what, like, I'm all about exposure, but this one is like, I've never had to explain myself so many times. You know, it's funny, you pulled up the Urban Dictionary, you know, and we pulled up the same thing. We're like, well, what exactly does it mean? I was like, well, it means, and everybody, every guy on my show had a different explanation. I was like, I guess it means whatever you want it to mean. You know, if you think it means like they're doing hardcore research, I don't know. When I kick the tires, I walk by something, I kick the tires, I'm like, meh, and I walk away from it. You know, <laughs> that's pretty much it. I mean, there's a, it, it means there's a, a curiosity effect to it. There, there means there's a, hey, let's just at least, you know, you know talk about it again. You know, it may mean uh, for a day, it may mean for three minutes. So, I don't know. I, I thought the whole thing was uh, pretty comical, to be honest with you. By the way, not a good way to test the uh, pressure of your tires. Do that by other means. Talking to Christian Fourier, WEI, former Patriots tight end. Uh, look, I do make a lot, and perhaps too much, of Tom Brady liking just about everything Antonio Brown puts out there on social media. Tom is well aware of what it means, what every word he says everything he does, every product he endorses, and certainly every social media like he makes, that matters, and he's aware of it. He clearly wants Antonio Brown back. Is that the way you see it? I mean, you say he clearly does. I mean, I've always said that they needed an extra receiver. Now, I feel like they got that guy in Mohamed Sanu. They just didn't have a lot of depth, and the depth that they had, I thought, was young and inexperienced and wasn't as trustworthy as some older vets that have already established themselves in the NFL. So 
Do I think he wants Antonio Brown? I mean, who who would, wouldn't want to play with one of the best receivers in the league right now? But I don't think that's his passive-aggressive way of letting Bill or the Patriots know that he wants them to sign Antonio Brown. I think, for the most part, I mean, people like a lot of stuff, you know. And But it's, the fact is that it's Brady, it's Tom, it's the Patriots, and no team in the NFL in probably the history of all sports gets more attention and more criticism and more second thoughts than the Patriots when everything they do. I mean, I mean, you can read into him to Brady being like, you know, uh, I guess bummed out after last week's game after a win, and you can read it into that. And, and I would sit there and go, man, if, if I was him, I'd be tired of answering the same questions over and over and over again. Uh, it's the very definition of insanity for him. Probably, you know, people just keep giving you the same questions, expecting a different answer, and, and they don't get it. So, um, yeah, but I, I don't think that's necessarily it. I think overall, I think the offense is taking a little bit longer to develop than he would like, you know, and the reality that the ceiling isn't as high as he once thought it would be, I think is maybe tough to handle and that he didn't play great himself. Um, below his standards, I think it's part of it. And ultimately, this is a really good defensive team with a great coach um, and good special teams. And those are the three out of the four areas that are going to get them to where they need to go. Christian, what is the, what is the hope for them offensively? What is, what is the ceiling right now? I mean... I, I mean, it's funny. I don't. It's, I don't think it's um, what it was last year. When we when we looked at them last year, they actually, you know, eventually they um, they created an identity for themselves, and it was a smash mouth. You know, we can run the football. They can't do that anymore. Now with Isaiah Wynn, will they be better at it? Yeah, I don't think they'll they'll be as good as they were last year. I just think that's unrealistic. I still think they have the ability to be a good offensive team, like not a great offensive team, but a serviceable offensive team. That's uh, that uh, relies on you know um, you know good decisions you know no turnovers um, you know clock management you know that whole football 101 stuff you know because they because it always in the end becomes a complimentary game and if the Patriots they know their defense is good so I think they'll restrict their offense a little bit you know I also feel like you know their offense is a little bit delayed because they can't do all the things they want to do because of health issues because of youth issues. So that kind of that kind of hamstrings them as far as you know their options overall on offense. Listen, we can't run you know you know thirty percent of the stuff that we want to run. Why? Well, because this guy's not ready and that guy's not ready and this play doesn't work, you know, or this team's really good and it's a mismatch here. So how do we fight to stay alive? How do we keep the chains moving? Well, it's not very exciting, you know. It's not not very productive, but you know what? Uh, we don't have any choices. You know, so you just kind of sit there and go, well, okay, let's just keep grinding it out. Hope our defense keeps us in the game, you know, and then let's not be the team of the side of the ball that screws it up. So, Christian, it's pretty clear that this is probably the worst line that Brady's had. And I don't think you really trust the receivers other than Edelman. You're a skill guy, so you'd be better at this than I I am. Can you remove those things? and just evaluate Tom's performance. I know that those things are factors, but Tom's specific performance, how much worse do you think he's been this year than he's been in recent years? Um, I think it's hard to judge. I think a lot of his decisions, a lot of his things that he's done, I think have been unnoticed based on 
which I think is is hard to do because a lot I think a lot of quarterbacks would force the issue and turn a bad situation into a terrible situation. And I think he saves a lot of plays by some of the decisions that he makes. And I think it would make a lot of other quarterbacks uncomfortable or uneasy because they wouldn't want to deal with the with the um, with the fact that the play didn't work, you know, and they and they wouldn't deal with this uh, how how often it happened. I think Brady. His numbers will never tell the tale. His stats will never tell you how important he is to this team. But if you just watch him, you know, oh, it's an incomplete. No, he threw it away. Well, this is it. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's a, he took a penalty for, you know, um, uh, but, it, but he does it on purpose, you know, because he's so smart and he's so aware of the big picture that he doesn't force things. I mean, he had a couple, uh, you know, red zone interceptions earlier in the year that I'm sure he regrets, but ultimately – I mean, what he does is pretty remarkable under the circumstances, you know, because he's used to dealing at a, such a high level, you know, with so many just, you know, you know, uh, I guess, you know, complicated route schemes and adjustments, more importantly, the adjustments based on the coverage that he can't, you can't really, he's not really getting the most out of his actual ability, but he's getting, he's doing the best he can with the circumstances that he's playing under. And I think there's a lot of, um, I don't know. Um, uh, there's there's a lot that goes into him, you know, maintaining that discipline. And if I don't think he maintains that discipline, I think it's a, ten times worse. But since he's able to do it because he's because he's uh, secure in his own skin, he's able to do it. Talking to Christian Fourier, WEEI, former Patriots tight end. So big game against the Dallas Cowboys this weekend. Only one team in football can have the sky completely falling, and they are nine and one. And almost no one will pick against them representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. So do you think they beat the Cowboys? And and why do you think that when you look across the field, better running game, better passing game, and certainly some talented players on the other side of the football, is this a coaching matchup? Who wins and why? Well, I, I always look at it as, as the, the four aspects that I look at regarding uh, any team is offense, defense, special teams. I think offensively, I think the, the Dallas Cowboys have them. Special teams, hey, let's call it a push. Um, defense, I'll give it to the Patriots. And coaching, I'm giving it to Bill. You know, and it's a home field advantage. You know, so I think they are going to win. But I think, again, it's just more about the Patriots' defense. I do think they're going to be a lot better offensively with Isaiah Wynn. Now, what does that mean? I mean, does he, does he give you 10 better plays? Um, than than he than Newhouse did over the last I don't know seven or seven games, I'm not sure. But this team always has a way of putting together a game plan that fits for the opponent that they have that week. Um, I don't think it's going to be like it was last week. I don't think it was going to be like the, the week before. But they have the right personnel defensively to slow down Dak, Dak Prescott. I mean, they do. They have uh, they're very underrated. When I think people look at the Patriots defense and they think of uh, Baltimore Ravens and how they got gashed last week, they were flying around did an unbelievable job. Other than the, the one drive of 95 yards after that, they had nothing. And the first three points they got in that game was off a 49 yard pass interference call. That was a spot foul. And then they were able to kick a field goal. So they got 10 points just off that alone. After that, it was nothing. They're, they're up there. They're a borderline historic defense, in my opinion, um, offensively, they just got to hold it together. So, but yeah, but I think in the end they beat them. 
Christian, I got to get your thoughts. The other big topic, other than uh, the huge Christian Fourier news on AB, is uh, is the Miles Garrett stuff. Uh, the latest is that he told the NFL that Mason Rudolph um, uttered a racial slur at him. Uh, Want to get your reaction to that news as a, as a fellow former player? Well, I mean. <laughs> First of all, whenever I hear something like that, I mean, we all kind of get disgusted a little bit. So, but the fact is that I don't think he did it. Um, the league came out and said, I don't think there's any evidence. Um, so to me, if the league came out and said, there's no evidence of it, well, I think Miles Garrett needs to be suspended further. I don't think you can just throw that accusation out there um, carelessly, you know, um, and just act like there's no repercussions. You know, the, the thing that bugs me is that the accusation always gets so much attention and the denial doesn't get any of it, you know, regardless of who you are or what situation that you're in. And there's tons of film to watch. There's tons of people that were on the field. Marquise Pouncey. I mean, Castro was there. All those guys were there and they're all backing them up. And I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that they're teammates. I mean, I, so to me, it's pretty disgusting. You know, if he, if he is, if he was lying about it, just to kind of save his own ass, I think that's more than annoying. Um, and if the league's going to come out and say that there's no evidence of it, I think they need to do an investigation to find out, uh, you know, did he lie? I mean, because, right? I mean, you can't just accuse somebody of that just because. I mean, it feels like the Jesse Smollett all over again. That was the name going around Twitter yesterday, is Jesse Smollett. Look, no player on either side of the football backs him up on that no coach in the nfl has checked all the audio and there is no evidence to back that up aside from the fact that it doesn't help miles garrett at all even if mason rudolph did say that and again no evidence that he did no insinuation that he did i don't think it helps him in fact it might just hurt him in the long run because i don't know that it helps him understand what he did how dangerous what he did was because he's going to have to meet with the commissioner at the end of the season and Look, hopefully he takes some real accountability for what he did and doesn't try to blame other people. I have to ask you about our alma mater. Uh, Christian Fourier and I both went to the University of Colorado, and we love the tradition of Ralphie the Buffalo running out to start the University of Colorado football games. Ralphie 5 is retiring, which is a sad day. They will replace her. PETA, though, People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, wants Ralphie retired for good and wants all live mascots retired for good. What's your message to PETA regarding <laughs> our alma mater and one of the best message, one of the best traditions in football? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't ever want to see it go away. So that's my message. I hope the Col I hope the university of Colorado keeps it. I think that's a great tradition. And I don't think, I don't think, uh, I mean, listen, I, I get what PETA is coming from. You know, uh, I understand that. So, but I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And um, I hope they continue it. I don't think there's anybody being harmed. I don't think uh, anyone's feelings are getting hurt. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you'd have to ask Ralphie, you know, I guess to get a real answer. But no, <laughs> I love it and I want it to stay. And I'll never change my I'll, mind on that. Tell you what, I want some PETA people to lead the next Ralphie out on the field. I want to see 
Ralphie just drag those PETA people all over Folsom Field. If that happens, I will make my first donation to PETA. Heck, let's make it, I don't know, $250 donation to PETA. And I, and I can't stand the organization in large. Uh, I will make that donation if, if they can drag PETA reps all over the field with the next Ralphie Six next hey, season. That, hey, Dave, Dave that, that reminds me. Christian, yeah. awesome job on the fundraiser, man. Awesome job on the fundraiser. Oh, that thanks. was amazing. You raised yeah, more than $100,000. Uh, yeah, $100,000 for the Di- Diabetes excuse me, Association. Your goal was 25K. You did 25 straight hours. How delirious were you? And how did you stay up? What was the key? I, the, the key was having, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, like, you know, guests. Like, I had tons of guests. I had great support. So every hour or two, I had more different people on. So I had a lot of stimulation. It was actually really easy. Like, I didn't, I didn't wear out until, like, the next day when I went home. But other than that, it was, it was actually pretty easy and a lot of fun. So now whether I'll do it again remains to be seen, but uh, it was definitely a challenge, and I'm glad I did it 100%. So next year I may have to have you guys on in like the, the 2 a.m., 3 a.m. slot. That, that's what we need to talk about. Dude, you, you know I own the 2 a.m., 3 a.m. slot. That's, that's when I do most of my finest work, my friend. Congratulations. Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's when the crazy stuff happens. That, those are actually the funnest hours where you can pretty much say whatever you want. Oh, hell yeah. I saw you doing Jump Around, which was fantastic in the middle of the night. <laughs> Great work for the American Diabetes Association. We are all in if you are doing it again next year. We will, we will at least deliver coffee and help you stay up, bro. All right. I like it. All right. Christian Fourier, WEI, former Patriots, and more importantly, former University of Colorado tight end. Enjoy the Cowboys game. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, so Ross, it was amazing. Three little words, and I don't think Christian had any idea how kick the tires was going to take off across the entire national sports media landscape. I think people made too much of it. Uh, what was your reaction? Well, look, I, I, I it's funny, Dave, because I tweeted last night at Ross Tucker NFL. You're at Dave Briggs TV, the, the show, of course, at RDC home and home, but I I tweeted last night, you know, what we said to Christian right there after I saw uh, a tweet about, you know, that the Patriots had kicked the tires, according to WEI, I didn't even know it was Christian at first. I just know that it was WEI, one of our radio.com affiliates. And so I actually went and I tweeted what we just talked about. Number one, the apology to Kraft and only Kraft. Number two, the unbelievable support from the Patriots players on social media. He wasn't really there very long. Number three, the fact that when Belichick was asked about it, you know, he usually says when he's asked about things like that, I'm only going to talk about the players that are here. I'm not talking about that. But instead he said, you have to ask Mr. Kraft about that. I'm only talking about the guys that are here. I thought that was interesting and not the way he normally answers that. So you combine Christian's report with those three things, and I believe that they have kicked the tires. I believe that they have said, you know what? If he apologizes, can we maybe bring him back? I think him apologizing 
was step one of somebody's strategy, whether that's Bill Belichick or Drew Rosenhaus or whoever, that maybe a public apology, see the reaction to it, maybe huh. even, you know, leak that they're kicking the tires to see what the reaction would be and then see how Kraft feels about it and then and then go from there. I, I, I believe that they have kicked the tires on it and they're exploring it. Now, there was a tweet late last night from Jeff Howe, who covers the team, that the Patriots will not be re-signing Antonio Brown. It sounds like they won't, but I still believe that there was some strategy enacted here to at least test the waters of how the public would feel about it. I don't understand it. Now, now Tom Curran, NBC Sports, covers that team as well as anyone. He also uh, said there is no truth to any rumor that they are interested. I just don't understand for the life of me what the hell changed. I don't care if Antonio Brown had a moment of freaking clarity. One moment of clarity every eight weeks does not change anything about the equation. He is completely off the fucking reservation. The last time he was with the Patriots, he was accused of rape. He was accused of sexual assault. He was accused of sexual harassment. And then he was accused of intimidation of a woman and her children. An apology doesn't change shit. It doesn't change anything that A.B. had one freaking moment of clarity after, yes, I will say it again, taking some medication and finding some clarity and being reminded that at some point you're going to need some actual money to pay for your insane lifestyle. Nothing has changed. Well, and I, I agree with everything you just said, Dave. I'll tell you what has changed in my mind. Number one, time. There's a lot of time between when that happened two months ago and now. And if we've learned anything in our society is that people's attention spans are about this big. And which I just said for the people listening, really small. I held my fingers together really small, which is important to note for the people that are just listening and not watching. Uh, so I think the attention spans are very small, Dave, and you get two months removed from it. Not everybody's like you. Not everybody remembers all of the details that you just mentioned. Not everybody just, and, and you know what else has changed? The offense is getting even worse and Sanu is hurt. Sanu's out for a few weeks. And I think that they thought maybe an apology could be a step towards maybe trying to get him back on that football team. I don't think it sounds like it's going to happen, but I certainly think that that was the idea, and they felt like the combination yeah. of being with the NFL, the apology, and the fact that the Patriots are so bad that maybe right. Patriots fans would be okay with it. And Ross just put his finger on what has changed. It's the realization that the Patriots' offense is so bad. That's the only thing that has changed. The apology doesn't change anything. The fact of the matter is now they know for sure, and Bob Kraft knows for sure, that Gronk ain't coming back. Gronk is all about Gronk Beach down in South Beach, February 1st, and we're going to have some great sound from WEEI about that later in the program. Gronk is all about Gronk Beach. Sanu is banged up. Dorsett is banged up. And they just don't have enough receivers, they think, to make a run again at the Super Bowl. That is the only thing that has changed here. I don't think he gets re-signed. He's still in purgatory. Let's just keep in mind, even if a team signs him, the NFL has made no move here. They could slap him on the commissioner's list. It is week 12. 
I mean, how could this move so fast when the NFL has done virtually nothing in the eight or nine weeks since? I think it is the longest of long shots. And I think we'll see AB next year. And that is just fine. I do not think we see him for the rest of this season, which makes this Patriots-Cowboys game, which we will get into later in the program, just an outstanding matchup. Almost bizarre that we're all taking the Patriots, given the dynamics of the two teams. And you can almost check every box that the Cowboys are currently better than the Patriots. But nonetheless, I, like everyone else, still think New England comes up with the win. Yeah, I, I I think somehow, some way, late in the game, I think Belichick's clearly a better coach than Jason Garrett. And really, just overall, I think the Patriots are better coached than the Cowboys. Cowboys defensively are having some issues. So, look, I think the Cowboys are a decent amount more talented than the Patriots. And it's just crazy how often that happens. And it still doesn't matter the Patriots still find a way to win because you know what? Over time, they have hired the right people, especially Bill Belichick by Robert Kraft, and especially when they hired Tom Brady in the sixth round of the 2000 NFL draft. It wasn't easy. Hiring never is. As Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner discovered, she needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. That's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Smartest way to get going again for the Houston Texans is the long ball. DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller lighting it up last night on Thursday Night Football as the Texans retake first place in the AFC South, the 20-17 win. Deshaun Watson was protected, and that was the key to the football game, just one sack. Six sacks a week ago and a demolition by the Ravens, 41 to seven in this game. Will Fuller, seven catches, 140 yards. DeAndre Hopkins, 94 catches, two touchdowns. And quite frankly, the greatest new tradition in all of sports, better than even, even better than what we've seen with the keg stand with the Colts and Quentin Nelson a week ago. Let's take a quick break and dive into the AFC North matchup on Thursday Night Football and all the games coming up in Week 12. We'll be back in three minutes. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. I'm going to a Patriot. I live in uh, the Austin area, and I'm going to a Patriot Texans party, and I'm going to be the only Texan fan there. And I'm confident that our Texans will beat those sorry ass Patriots. Patriots. <laughs> uh, but, 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 I'm not. That's. I'm not even worried about that because I. I truly think that. You know, Brady is probably on his, finally, thank God, on his way out. That was from the Sports Radio 610 in Houston postgame last night. So confident are Texans fans they might, yeah, beat the Patriots. I hate to rain on that parade. That ain't going to happen. Yes, the Texans won last night, 2017, over the Colts. They got the long ball going to Sean Watson just shy of 300 yards and two touchdowns and really hit the deep ball well. The key for them is keeping Deshaun Watson clean. They did that well. I've said this before on NFL games. It was a bath fitter for me. Uh, I watched this game the way with the 41-7 thrashing by the Ravens in my mind, and I'm not convinced that's not who they are. The Texans looked good enough last night to beat the Colts. But this is not a contender. This is a team that their ceiling to me is getting in, winning a wild card game, bowing out. Where am I wrong, Ross? Oh, you're not. It kind of reminds me of every other Texan season ever, forever, always. I mean, it feels like they're going to have that Saturday 430 wild card game. They may or may not win that one. Then the following week, they go to New England or Baltimore where their dreams will die. I mean, it just, it, they're not good enough to be able to beat those two teams. I think the only question at this point, do they hold on and win the division? Probably. And look, that's an accomplishment. The Jags are trying to do it. The Titans are trying to do it. The Colts are trying to do it. Texans are going to be the one to do it. They deserve credit for that. Winning is winning. And Division championships are good things and playoff berths are good things and all that stuff. But I tend to agree with you, Dave, unless Deshaun Watson just has a magical day of all days. I just can't envision them going into Baltimore or going into New England and coming out victorious. You know, the only way that happens is, I guess, somewhat similar to last night, which would be. He dropped some unbelievable deep balls to DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, who, by the way, really changed the dynamic for that team and that offense. And so many teams around the NFL, when you have that deep threat, when you have that speed guy. Uh, But really, the team, more than anything else, is Deshaun Watson throwing deep balls to Hopkins and Fuller and him also finding a way to run around scramble, extend plays, 
It yeah. still seems like that is when he's at his best. He's so fun to watch. He played much better than he played against Baltimore. Uh, but it would take a unbelievable Herculean superhuman effort, I think, of from him in the divisional round for them to get to an AFC championship game. I'm not even convinced they're a shoe-in to win that wild-card game. I, I I don't like them to be matched up with the Oakland Raiders the way they can get after the passer. Look, the offensive line just isn't good enough. Sure, it was last night, but it hasn't been all season. And could it hold up against the Oakland Raiders? I doubt it. I don't think so. And given the way Jacobs can just pound away at that defensive front, not convinced that if that were the matchup that that would go that well for them. And And on top of that, they could have lost this game. Not convinced the refs did not entirely blow this thing. Late in the game, under two minutes, Deshaun Watson, just trying to run out the clock, definitely fumbled the ball. Whether or not it was recovered is tough to tell, but again, it was under two minutes. Should have been reviewed. Billy Badass O'Brien calls a timeout and allowed them to get another look at it and still didn't review it. Here is Frank Reich on what happened there. I didn't see the review. They didn't show it on the scoreboard. You know, they didn't show it on the scoreboard. I'm not sure why, but, um, you know, they, they showed it in our coach's box. Uh, the, the officials, uh, and I was trying to get them to review it, but the officials on the sideline told me it was being reviewed. And then the Texans called timeout, so it gave them, it was inside of two minutes. So that gave them in New York even more time to review it. So obviously they, Obviously, they saw it and didn't think it was a fumble. Okay, Ross, I sure thought it was a pretty easy call, at least to take the time to review it. The recovery may have been tough to determine, and NFL officiating tweeted out that there was no clear recovery, but I can't find an explanation for not at least reviewing it, given that Bill O'Brien gave them all the rope they needed with the timeout. Yeah, honestly, Dave, that is the most notable aspect of it to me is my guy, Billy Badass, calling time out there and giving them a chance to maybe review it. Um, now, here's the deal. They did look at it because it's in the last two minutes of the half or the game. So they did look at it. They determined there wasn't enough there to take a longer look at it or to send it to New York. And I think they probably should have, Dave, but let's not bury the lead here. That wasn't getting overturned. I mean, you know, it was clearly a fumble, but the ball was between Leonard's legs and Deshaun Watson still had his right arm and like cupped around the ball between Leonard's legs. Boy, say that three times fast and try not to get yourself <laughs> in trouble. Um, but that's what was going on there. So they weren't going to overturn anyway. There was no clear recovery. If you're Darius Leonard, how about using two hands and ripping the ball out of there and or not having it down between your legs, rip it out of there and make it clear and obvious. It wasn't the replay official at the stadium evidently decided it wasn't enough to overturn. I mean, it wasn't enough to even send to New York. I probably disagree. I think it was enough to send to New York, but ultimately it wasn't going to be called a fumble or overturned anyway. And that is a good point, but you would like to see the NFL take that step to at least review it. 
favorite ritual that happened in this game is just one of the great things in all of sports right now. Better than even Quentin Nelson's keg stand touchdown celebration from a week ago. It's DeAndre Hopkins doing it twice on each touchdown, taking that football, running it over to his blind mom who comes to every game and sits right there in the front row, even though she can't see it. She's been blind for 17 years. Boy, it is a heartwarming gesture. Almost makes me tear up every single time I see it. I absolutely love DeAndre Hopkins and that he takes the time to do that after every single touchdown. Great ritual. And one of the great things in all of sports is redemption. And there is a redemption story that continues for the Indianapolis Colts. And it's Jonathan Williams, albeit in the loss. Jonathan Williams goes over 100 yards for the second straight game. He now has 220 yards rushing in two games. He gets the touchdown last night. And remember, Jonathan Williams, here's his career. He's, he's drafted, I think, in the fifth round by the Bills. Does really nothing. Gets a little bit of action, maybe 27 carries. He's released after a year. Catches on with the Saints. He's on the practice squad. He gets maybe a couple of carries. He's cut by the Saints. He joins the Colts and only gets an opportunity because of the injury to Marlon Mack. And it's just fantastic to see the way he's taken advantage, Ross, of this opportunity. A guy that has been given up on twice. I think it can give all of us a little bit of hope that there might be a light at the end of the tunnel when you're down, when you get kicked around by any job, whether you're a banker, whether you're a broadcaster, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a store manager, that you just got to keep going, that you just got to keep fighting. And this guy looks like a badass. The 13-yard touchdown run was insane last night. A nice redemption story for the Colts, albeit in a loss. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I got two Colts thoughts. Jonathan Williams is one of them, Dave. I love stories like this. I mean, you know me. I I was a journeyman. I played for five teams, seven years, undrafted free agent. So I eat this stuff up because I know how much harder it is for someone like Jonathan Williams. You know, once you've been sort of discarded by a team, you lose a little bit of your luster, and then it happens again, and then again. I mean, it becomes a major uphill battle. But I can remember way back when, even talking with Greg Cosell from NFL Films on my on the Ross Tucker podcast and him saying, look, I really like this guy. He thought he was the second best running back after Zeke in that draft. Really, really liked him. It hadn't worked out until Indianapolis for whatever reason. But he was running hard last night. He was looking good. And I thought that was uh, two weeks in a row now. He's establishing himself as a guy that should be an NFL running back. It's funny though, Dave, before I get into the T.Y. Hilton stuff, the flip yeah. side of that, of course, is what, you know, is the whole argument of why are we paying running backs in the first place when you can get Jonathan Williams off the scrap heap and he's good enough to go for 100 yards two games in a row, right? I mean, it's funny. We always talk with Sam Munson or whoever from PFF and they say, running backs or products of what's around them. But on some level, you look at these situations and it's like, man, you better really like your running back and really think he's worth 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 million when you can get guys for the minimum like Jonathan Williams producing like they are. 
Yeah, that that's not a good sign for for the running back market. In particular, when you see the way Le'Veon Bell is producing, when you see the way Todd Gurley is producing, and you mentioned uh, T. Y. Hilton, boy, that was ugly. That was an ugly return, and he has dominated the Texans in recent years, man. Yeah, you know what? That I mean, if you think about it, Dave, that ended up being the difference in the game. Is that you know in the second half, Deshaun Watson was dropping those bombs and doing a terrific job to Fuller and Hopkins. And twice, not once, Dave, but twice, Jacoby Brissett put the ball on a key third down right on T.Y. Hilton, right in his hands. Now, the one time, maybe Vernon Hargraves got a little piece of it. The other time, clearly, I thought Jonathan Joseph did not get a piece of it. And T.Y. Hilton didn't catch either one. And the reality is, in my mind at least, I think DeAndre Hopkins catches both of those. He needed to make those plays, and I'll give him a lot of credit because after the game, he said, this is totally on me. This is totally on me. I, I, I lost the game for us, and you know what? I mean, it's more than just him, but it's a lot on him. I mean, he, you got to make those plays. You're their best offensive player by a lot. I know you're coming off injury, but your injury was to your calf, not your hands. you got to catch the ball. Yeah, that, that was an ugly, ugly effort by him. And I think really was the difference. You're right in the game. And if the Colts could have got their hands on that late Deshaun Watson fumble, the only other thing that stood out to me happened before this game even started. And if you haven't seen the video, check out my Twitter feed at Dave Briggs TV. One of the unforgettable images happened before anyone stepped on the field. The Houston Texans linebackers arrived at the stadium wearing what has been described as mortal combat gear outfits from that game. I don't know a decade and a half ago and never played that game, but what a ballsy effort that was given that they just got run over by Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram and company, the tune of 41 to seven. Do you like to see Ross guys showing up with that type of swagger NBA-type walk-in-the-runway pregame wearing and, and what can only be described as costumes last night. Yeah, I mean, I do purely because I think it's funny and for entertainment purposes. So, yeah, why not? It's kind of comical. I, I like it. I like seeing guys do stuff like that. The more the merrier in my mind. Go for it. Go wear whatever you want to wear. It's entertaining. We get pictures now. They got a lot of guts for sure to go through with that and do it. I wasn't quite sure what the outfits were at all. I couldn't figure it out. I was thoroughly confused, but it was entertaining. It was it was awesome. I Look, I'm in the media, dude. I want anything that's kind of funny to laugh at or post on social media or talk about the next day here on Home and Home with you because we got a lot of time to talk because we do less than five minutes of commercials per hour, which is amazing and insane. And we hope you guys enjoy it as much as we do. But yeah, I was not, um, I was not that guy, Dave. I didn't dress up like looking real nice. I wasn't a costume. I, I dressed comfortable. I dressed because, well, can you guess based on how I dress on the show every day? <laughs> That's how I, you dressed pregame at the, in the NFL. You dressed like this. Well, let me oh, home games. Yes. Okay. Um, away games. I think we usually had to have like a, a jacket or, you know, th there was a standard of professionalism 
for away games because you're traveling, business trip. I think most teams, we didn't have to wear a tie, but it did have to be like a collared shirt and maybe a jacket. So if I didn't have to wear a tie, I wasn't wearing a tie. Home games, I just threw professionalism totally out. I would wear jeans and a shirt like this. Be comfortable for the post-game tailgate. Top priority. I like it. I like your priorities. I like your priorities almost as much as England rugby star Joe Marler. You haven't heard of him unless you've checked out the viral video that's been making the rounds around the world, popping up on YouTube and Twitter and TikTok. And what was just an ordinary rugby interview about an upcoming match turned into anything but and is now a viral sensation. Listen to what Joe Marler had to say uh, to a reporter. I wasn't hurting as much as the lads who were, who were out there, but I definitely felt it, and I know how, how hard the boys have taken that. Um, be disappointed with the account that they that we put out, but uh, we've got another week to, to get back on the horse, you know, and take that horse to the water, and you can ask that horse. You can say, hey, horsey, do you want do you want to have a drink or do you want to swim yeah and it's up to that horse to then realize what he wants to do in his life and that horse at the moment wants to go out on saturday he wants to clippity clop all the way to the stoop and he wants to say hello to those fans and he goes and he goes i'm sorry about the result last week but i'm going to give a better performance here at home against Bath. He's a slightly Irish horse. Um, so we're looking forward to, like I say, getting back on that horse. And are you looking forward to getting back on the horse six months since we lost, or are you? I don't like horses. I can't ride. <laughs> and he absolutely sticks the landing by saying, I don't <laughs> ride horses. That's Joe Marler uh, of the Harlequins rugby club they played champions cup rugby over there in the uk he's hammered man but he is hired what do you think of that so i my thing is i just i want to know if that (laughs) i want to know if that was totally just like a crazy route he went on or if like he did that on purpose to go viral because i mean (laughs) Like, the way he deadpans at the end about how he doesn't like horses, he doesn't ride them. I mean, that almost makes me think. And he was so crazy with, like, the horse getting water analogy that, I don't know. I don't really – I mean, I I believe that he obviously said all that stuff. I'm starting to wonder if this guy's like a a part-time comedian, Dave, rather than just being, like, some rugby guy that happened to say that. Who was the funniest guy? I, I always found offensive linemen the best interviews uh, in my time as a reporter in locker rooms because, number one, they're smarter than the average bear. They don't get flooded by questions. Bless you. Who was the funniest and most insightful uh, of the guys that you played with in terms of giving maybe not the horse sound bite, but something close to it? Um. That's a good question. I played for so many. I'm trying to think of some of the funnier guys. Trey Teague was a really funny guy. Um, and he didn't talk to the media when he was in Denver because the offensive linemen weren't allowed to talk to the media in Denver. But he fine. was a very right. funny guy. He um, he told me 
one time, Dave, we were playing the Steelers and James Harrison. And we had seen on tape James Harrison totally annihilate and destroy a pulling guard the week before. Like, killed the dude. Killed him. And watching how quickly he closed down the line and then basically went horizontal to the ground with his helmet leading and just broke the guy in half. I remember when the coaches said we were going to run that play this week, I said to our offensive line coach, Coach, can I, can I cut his outside leg and, and go around the outside? And, and, and offensive line coach was like, no. And Trey Teague, Dave, looked at me and he's like, and he kept showing his head. He kept shaking his head. After, after the meeting's over, Trey said, hey, Tuck, I don't care what he just said. If you don't cut his outside leg rather than trying to kick him out, you're stupid. And you're going to end up in the hospital with one of them halos. And I'm not going to come visit you. And I'm not going to feel bad for you. You better not do it. He was one of, one of them halos. I, I still remember that line, one of them halos. And he was right. Thank goodness I did not try to do that. Uh, I don't remember guys, Dave, being particularly funny with the media. I don't know. And they might, in terms of insightful, they might have said me. But I don't remember guys being that funny with the media. Yeah. Uh, they were more like, in, like John Jansen and Corey Raymer, my rookie year with the Redskins. Their big move was when you're an NFL player and you get to a hotel, they lay out all of your room keys for you. You don't, you don't like go to the front desk and check in. Like your room keys are there and it says Brand, uh, Briggs and Tucker and, and Jordan and Joey and whatever, right? Their big move was they would hurry up and get off the team bus quickly and they would go steal your room keys. So you'd oh, stand yeah. there for 10 minutes and you'd be looking and you'd be like, ah, can't find it. Then you would have to go to the front desk and say, I'm Ross Tucker. I think one of my teammates stole my room key. Can you please make me one? And they just loved, like they, they thought that was the funniest thing every week, all season. That's a solid one. I very much enjoyed Matt Light and Dan Copen with the New England Patriots. But the late Junior Seau, probably my favorite guy to talk to in the locker room each and every day, just said some wacky stuff, but actually managed to connect it and make it insightful. Uh, dearly missed the late Junior Seau. Legend he was. All right, when we come back after a quick break, we're going to dive into the Miles Garrett allegation that Mason Rudolph used a racial slur, and that is why he swung Rudolph's helmet at him. Did he make matters worse for himself? The uh, appeal was denied. What lies ahead for Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph, and these two teams meet again in a week. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll also have a Packers preview with Billy Schmid, 105.7, the fan in Milwaukee, after a quick break. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 